Locked On Podcast Network and Bet Online present NFL Key Predictions. The local team experts of Locked On NFL give you the inside knowledge on the biggest games of the week and betting advice from the field's leading experts. You are Locked On NFL Key Predictions. What's up, everyone? Welcome into NFL Key Predictions. I'm Jordan Black. Week three is here, and with just six undefeated teams across the league, parity is shaping up to be a significant narrative in 2022. The LA Rams will try to knock off that Super Bowl rust while a battle of Bays pits the ageless Rodgers and Brady in a head-to-head tilt. Plus, the surprisingly undefeated New York Giants will try to take down Dallas at home. We kick off our coverage in Miami, where the high-octane Dolphins offense will host the Super Bowl favorite Bills. Quarterback Josh Allen passed for 317 yards and four touchdowns with a 128.9 rating last week. And that's his fifth game now with four-plus touchdowns and no interceptions since 2020. That's tied for second most in the NFL. Von Miller, Tremaine Edmonds, and Matt Milano will look to continue their impact play coming off a game where the unit combined for four tackles for loss, four pass deflections, a sack and a half, and an interception that went for a touchdown. Tuatunga Vailoa set career highs in passing yards, touchdown passes, and rating last week, becoming the third youngest player ever with six touchdown passes in a single game. Tua will look to the new AFC dynamic duo of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, who combined for 22 catches, 361 yards, and four touchdowns in that iconic win over Baltimore. Joe Marino from Locked on Bills and Kyle Krabs from Locked on Dolphins have this preview. So it is that time for us to get into some score predictions. And I I, I think I know you well enough to know this, this segment might surprise people on both sides of the fence. And, and maybe you'll put your Homer hat on. I don't know. But like I'm sitting here expecting myself to pick the Bills because I have continuously said mm-hmm. until the Dolphins show they can beat the Bills with seven consecutive wins and and taking all of the cheese that you're warning your fans not to do, I am buying into because I'm a superstitious guy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know, Joe. So why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and lead us off here with a score prediction <laughs> for Bills Dolphins in week three at Hard, Hard Rock Stadium? Do you believe they make us do this? You know what I mean? I, like, uh, I wish on. they didn't. Right. I wish right. they did, especially you and I. Right. Well, we are contractually obligated to we do are, this, right? To, now, to make, so a, make a prognostication. Predicting the future is hard, man. Um, <laughs> this, this has always been a game on the schedule that concerned me a lot. And, and Kyle can attest to that. And this is before the Dolphins uh, were 2-0, and right? And, and you saw mm-hmm. the, the promise of the offense, right? I've always been nervous about this game. Uh, short week for the Bills. South Florida, hot down there. Third year in a row, the Bills go down there in September, and the Bills are banged up. You know, the Dolphins team coming off uh, an emotional win. You can sense a feel of togetherness from Miami, a lot of resiliency, obviously, with how they came back and won that game. And you have a, a team here in Miami that wants to keep their momentum going, and, and we know this would mean a lot for the Dolphins to get this win. They know the success Buffalo's had over Miami, and I know that Mike McDaniel's not responsible for any of the past, but he's aware of it. I, I know he's aware of it. There's a big part of me that wants to pick the Dolphins to win this game. There's one thing that's going to keep me from doing that. It's Josh Allen. 
His last four games have been absolutely ridiculous. He's in a zone with Stefan Diggs. The Bills are going to score points, and they're going to put a lot of stress on Miami to keep pace. Now, Miami proved a lot in that regard last week with how they ripped off 28 points in the fourth quarter. But I do think that the Bills have a lot more in their front seven than Baltimore, and I think that they'll be more schematically sound in the back end to kind of avoid that type of a scoring onslaught. I think Miami's going to score, but I don't know if it's going to be more than Buffalo. I am going to go 34-27 Bills. Okay, so you've lulled me into this sense of respect for, what, six months? since When did the schedule come out? April? April. April. Yeah, we've been talking about this game since April. We're going to have to find some L's somewhere for the Bills. We'll have to find them somewhere. Super losable game. He might might come in here and pick pick the Dolphins at the crossover, and then sure enough, 34 to to 27. I think it'll be closer, but I've said this, and I will continue to say this until the Dolphins do it. I will pick the Bills to win the football game. Uh, and, And I believe more now than I did at any point in the Brian Flores era that the Dolphins do have the ability to understand we are going to have to come into a game script and score points to win the football game. You know, I go back to to week one Dolphins-Patriots this year, and the Belichick model and game plan was we are going to shorten the game. We want to possess the ball for 40 minutes if we can, and we're going to try and win a drag-out, slobber-knock game. Well, Miami, obviously, with the explosiveness that they have, never mind the fact that they're going to have to play the Bills as well. If Brian Flores was still the head coach of the football team, you would come in and say, well, they're, they're going to try to do that. And I think Mike McDaniel is the polar opposite for what his appetite is for the kind of game that they want to play. And you saw that against Baltimore. Um, so, so my optimism that Miami can win this football game is at an all-time high. Will I pick the Dolphins to win the football game? Not until they show me they can do it. Because of that, I'm going to pick the Bills by a score of 31-28 is my final score projection. I think this is going to be a game that is a heavyweight fight. There are going to be explosive plays on both sides for both teams. And it's going to be who gets those two or three bounces of the ball. And is the elite quarterback enough to swing the pendulum Buffalo's way? Or is home field advantage and the temperature and the climate and, and probably better health than Buffalo coming into this game enough to swing it Miami's way? We'll see when when the game is played. Well, and you you know, Kyle, that for for six months, I've been preparing myself to pick Miami to win this game. And part of that was some level of belief that the Bills offense would be just okay to start the year. Yeah, that's not a problem. Well, you know, and and there's reasons to believe it that, you know, a lot of new coaching influence on this team. Um, You know, Josh Allen didn't start fast last year, and that was in his fourth year with Brian Dable. I had some level of concern that the Bills offense would – not be what they've been so far. And and I think seeing them score the way that they have at will when they, you know, a second half against the Rams and the, you know, for the first three quarters against Tennessee until Mike Vrabel waved the white flag. I, that's what gives me the confidence. If it was, if it was Josh Allen at the start of last year, I'd say, yeah, that's, Dolphins are going to win this game. That's, that's what's been different for me. Now with a look at the betting lines, let's check in with Lee Sterling and locked on bets. This is Lee Sterling from Locked On Bets and Paramount Sports with your bet online prediction for the game between the Buffalo Bills laying five points at the Miami Dolphins. Now, the last two years, Buffalo Bills have dominated 
the Miami Dolphins. In fact, last year they won by a combined score of 57 to 18. Josh Allen, who, in my opinion, best quarterback in the NFL right now, 52 for 69 this year for seven touchdowns and only two interceptions. And on top of that, he has 66 rushing yards in the two games here. Hey, give the Dolphins credit. They're relevant again. They have two incredible receivers, Hill and Waddle. But in that game against Baltimore, Baltimore, almost their entire secondary was out injured. Now they got to face a Buffalo secondary that might have the best two safeties in the NFL and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. They're not going to allow those deep passes to be completed here. I think Buffalo rolls, lay the five points, 34 to 24. For more, subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Running back Daryl Henderson and wide receiver Cooper Cup each contributed 100-plus yards this past week as the Rams bounced back from that Super Bowl hangover loss in Week 1. Matthew Stafford now has four touchdowns but also five interceptions in 2022 and will need to rein in those mistakes as L.A. pursues back-to-back wins in Arizona. The Cardinals found themselves one half away from an 0-2 start and some serious speculation on the need for big changes. Quarterback Kyler Murray led a late charge and one overtime scoop and score later, the team seemingly held off early season disaster. J.J. Watt, Byron Murphy, and Zayvon Collins will need to continue to bring pressure and force turnovers if Arizona wants to keep the Rams on their heels. With more on this NFC matchup, here are Travis Rogers from Locked on Rams and Alex Clancy from Locked on Cardinals. Alex Clancy, Locked on Cardinals. Travis Rogers, Locked on Rams. I can't believe they won the Super Bowl last year. They caught like, a few breaks. I mean, did I asked you this last time we talked. Did Todd Bowles get a ring? <laughs> did Todd Bowles get a ring for that cover zero on the best it, wide receiver we've seen having the best wide receiver season in the history of the game? Did he now, get a ring? Now he's the head coach, so that's exciting. Yeah. So that's we, we get a chance. He got to, a pay bump. Yeah, we get to go maybe do that. Look, they they did win the the Super Bowl, and the only game that wasn't in doubt during their their playoff run was the first one against yeah. Arizona. That it's that it's that perfect little tune up that you need because they were not where they needed to be. And it's like, okay, who do I just beat like a drum every test? Like playing your little brother. Like like he might oh, throw in a three pointer to beat you once in a while, <laughs> but you know that I can just back him under the hoop. I'm just gonna drop one on him. It's it I, when I need to have it, I need to have it. And now I can go play someone else and see what I can do. Where they, is the they, dumb button when you need it? I just <laughs> where is my dumb button so I can just swear profusely? Right. So going into Sunday, the over under from betonline.net's 48 and a half. Um, I could see I talked yesterday about this. The Cardinals need this game to be in the 50s or 60s if they want to win. It's got to be a shootout. I don't think 17-13 is a way the Cardinals can win this game, especially with the defense as currently constructed, even though they played superhero football for two for two quarters in overtime against the Rams. Give me your prediction. Pull the band-aid off. What is it, 98 to 6? No, well, what are we doing the, here? The Ram offense has been really weird so far this season. I think the Rams are going to win the game. I think they'll cover because I don't think that's a huge number, although road favorites are always kind of weird. We know that that's always a, a weird way to do it. But the Ram, here's what's worked on the Ram offense Cooper Cup. Yeah. We're done with the list. That's what that's what's worked with the Ram. Matthew Stafford has been below the line. Allen Robinson has been below the line. Tyler Higby's been okay, but hasn't been t- but hasn't been targeted a ton. Both of their backs have been below the line. 
Um, and then that third wide receiver position, Van Jefferson, it, it's odd. The, the more that you watch these games played, the more important he becomes. That, that this was a guy that would catch four or five passes a game, that would catch a big one. He'd get a 20-plus yard catch at least once a week. And, and it was you had, to, you had to defend him. You had to account for him in your defensive scheme, which made it more – freed Robert Woods up and later freed up OBJ, and Cooper Cup is going to do what he does. Well, they're getting nothing out of that spot right now, and the whole thing just feels kind of bogged down, that if it's not Cup, it maybe you can get something going with Robinson. So – I, I don't know if this game will be played in the 30s. I mean, I, I think to your point, Alex, if it is, I think that probably benefits the Rams because it means that their offense is clicking a little bit. Um, Aaron Donald's been great. You know, no breaking news there. But again, Bobby Wagner's been okay. Jalen Ramsey was better in week two. He was terrible in week one after having a bad Super Bowl, after having a bad divisional round. Like Jalen Ramsey has been, you, you brought it up earlier. Is he still the best corner in football? Maybe which is a decline from, is he the best corner in football? Oh, yeah, which is what he was last year, which is what he was the year before that, and which is what he was the year before that. And right now it's, yeah, he might be, which is a big difference. And and we'll see how he plays. We'll see if he continues to get better. But I think the Rams win. I think that they probably cover, but I think it's more in the 20s than it is in the 30s. Yeah, that's about right. I had about 27-20 uh, Rams. Um, I have them covering, like, this is this game is going to be predicated upon a couple things. If the Cardinals can put up points early and stick with the Rams, the Cardinals can win this game. Like, I don't think the Cardinals are like this isn't, you know, I mean, this isn't Atlanta and Atlanta stuck with them, even though it was kind of a one off. And but what can't happen is the Rams come down and score, the Cardinals punt, and the Rams come down and score. Yeah. Like, that's that's kind of the thing. And that's what I was saying about Kansas City. It's like, if that happens, the Cardinals are going to lose this game very early. And that's what happened because the Cardinals are a lot of things. And one of them are three and out monsters and 48 second drives. And it's, it's, it's incomplete pass, run up the gut, incomplete pass punt. And it's like with the defense. Now the Cardinals need to be on the field as long as possible. I told like, I would say for cliff, slow the game down, stay yeah. on the field. The best, uh, the best defense is keeping the opposing quarterback on the sideline, especially when you have kind of a lesser than defense because you focus so much on the offense during the off season. Well, we all hate insurance, right? It's probably one of the hardest things to deal with, but the guys at Brightco are geniuses. They took the guesswork out and they made it something super simple and easy to deal with. For five bucks a month, you get totally comprehensive coverage and it won't take you more than two minutes on your cell phone to make buying insurance for your engagement ring, your watch, whatever you need, really simple. So check it out here at bright.co forward slash locked on. We'll take care of you and make it really simple for all of your jewelry insurance needs. So check it out, bright.co forward slash locked on. Remember that time you thought Aaron Rodgers could be losing a step? Two touchdown passes and a 131 QB rating later would suggest otherwise. The Packers were able to lean on Aaron Jones, who supplied 170 scrimmage yards. A.J. Dillon rushed for 61 last week, now has 50-plus scrimmage yards in seven of his last eight games on the road. On the other side of the field, Mike Evans will miss out on the action following that crazy brawl with the Saints and Marshawn Lattimore. That certainly hurts the Bucks' offensive attack. The identity of the team is firmly on the defensive side of the ball. In their last meeting, linebacker Levante David had a sack and a half and two tackles for loss. Plus the linebacker core also boasting Devin White, who led the team with 11 tackles this last week. 
And Shaquille Barrett had two sacks and his 18th career forced fumble in the team's week two win. Peter Bukowski from Locked on Packers joins James Yarcho and David Harrison from Locked on Bucks in this battle of the Bays. All right, Peter Bukowski, Locked on Packers here with James Yarcho from Locked on Bucks. Thanks for making these shows your first listen every day. Uh, so here's what I've been saying all week. This is a game that the Packers have to win given the state of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. If, if, if for no other reason than mentally, it is just such a boost. The Packers had issues with San Francisco. They get blown out of the regular season in 2019. They get blown out of the playoffs in, in the end of that season. They come out and they beat a banged up 49ers team on a Thursday night. And it felt like a weight was lifted off their shoulders, even just for the fans. But I think the players were feeling it a little bit too. Now, we don't have to talk about what happened in the, in the playoffs this past season, but I, I do think it helped from a mental standpoint. The fans are going to go nuts if the Packers lose this game against a, a Bucks team as banged up as this one is right now. And the odds makers, by the way, agree. They have Tampa as one and a half point favorites. It was two and a half, even three to open, depending on when you looked at it. Um, our friends over at Bet Online. So I think that this is a game the Packers need. And it's a game that if I go back to that 2020 game, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was the best receiver on the field for the Packers in that championship game. I think based on what we've seen the last two weeks, especially Christian Watson has been open on some of these deep plays. And I think they hit one or two of those. And that ends up being the difference in a game. Again, I think the Packers have to have, but still a low scoring kind of like 20 to 17 sort of game. I, I could even see like 17, 14, like picture, picture Dallas week one, but with an with one offense on the Dallas side that's not as as inept as that Dallas team was that day, um, I think it's going to look uh, very similar. A lot of field goals, um, a lot of drives stalling out, some three and outs, um, but ultimately the Packers get a win. James, what say you? It, this is this is a big one for both teams. Honestly, you took a look at this Buccaneers schedule at Dallas, at New Orleans, home against the Packers, home against the Chiefs, and a lot of fans thinking. The Bucs can escape two and two, uh, assuming they lose to the Saints. That's a win, uh, especially given all the injuries and, and everything that's going on. But you take a look at the implications down the line. If the Buccaneers win, they're sitting at three and zero. They're three and zero in the conference, and they have a head-to-head win against the Packers, who are then sitting at one and two, one and two in the NFC and would have to overcome the Bucks' record if they are, you know, these two are competing for that number one seed at the end of the year. And Aaron Rodgers has struggled against these Buccaneers, especially in Tampa. He's 0-2 against the Brady-era Buccaneers. He's lost three of his five career matchups against the Bucs. One of them was in a cream-sickled comeback led by Josh Freeman all mm-hmm. those years ago. Bucks legend. Yeah something like that uh at the end of the day defense is going to win the game and i think the buccaneers have the better defense right now i expect uh, another big time takeaway in a big moment in the second half that will either be returned for a touchdown or lead to a touchdown and that's going to prove to be the difference i'll take the bucks 20 to 13 all right so you like the bucks and the points 
interesting perspective. Just to, just to recap all of this, for the Packers, they need to run the ball and they need to stop the run. That is the deal for them if they want to win this game. If you can control the line of scrimmage in that way, and they have they have for one and a half games done that. Their, their front has also been very good at creating pressure. They did it to Kirk Cousins. They did it to Justin Fields. As long as they're not busting these coverages in the back end like they did in week one, I think they're going to have a good chance to slow down this Buccaneers team. I totally understand where you're coming from when you say, okay, this is going to be a low-scoring defensive battle, and so take the team with the better defense. I just think the gap between the guys and the surrounding cast right now for the Bucs and this Packers defense is bigger than the Packers offense and the Bucks defense, where I think that's a little bit more strength on strength. And so that's why I think the difference in this game is ultimately the Packers' ability to control the line of scrimmage in the run game. On offense, they hit one or two plays, and that that is the difference. Summarize what you think the Bucks need to do to win for me. Yeah, it, it's going to be about protecting Brady, getting receivers open on quick routes to get the ball out of his hand early with this beat-up offensive line and a threatening Packers pass rush. Brady cannot sit back in the pocket for very long, much like what we saw against the New Orleans Saints. And much like what you're saying for the Packers, the Buccaneers are going to have to lean on Lenny and this run game in order to control tempo, control clock, just like they attempted to do against New Orleans, a lot like what they did against the Dallas Cowboys. And then it's all about the opportunistic defense for the Buccaneers. Create a rare takeaway from Aaron Rodgers. Rattle him. Get to him. You have the number one defense in terms of total sacks. You have number two in terms of takeaways this season. Those playmakers, the Jamel Deans, the Devin Whites, the Levante Davids, the Shaq Barretts, who has tortured Aaron Rodgers over the last couple of years, those guys have to show up and create these big passing situations for the Packers that the secondary can then take advantage of in this matchup. But it's going to be a battle. It's going to be ugly. And it's going to be a whole lot of turning and handing the ball off for both sides. It's all about who do you like more, the Packers offensive line and, and Aaron Jones or the Bucks offensive line and Leonard Fournette. Now with a look at the betting lines, let's check in with Lee Sterling and Locked on Bets. This is Lee Sterling from Locked on Bets and Paramount Sports with your bet online prediction for the game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home laying two points against the Green Bay Packers. Now, it looks like Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, game time decision for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and... Mike Evans has been suspended. So this receiving core for Tom Brady is certainly depleted here. Tampa Bay's defense, they did the job the first two games. They held off New Orleans and Dallas for a combined just 13 points. But now they face the ultimate test. Aaron Rodgers, it looks like he might have his entire offensive line intact coming back from injuries. And he's getting some valuable help from the running game here. They have two of the best running backs in the NFL and their defense playing top-notch, maybe right on the line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, I just think that this game is going to be tight, but the wrong team is favored. Let's go with the Green Bay Packers. 
they win this game outright. Too many distractions for Tampa Bay, for Tom Brady to overcome here. For more, subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, no one wants to see young talent go down in the NFL, but when Trey Lance suffered a season-ending leg injury, it did open the door for Jimmy Garoppolo to step back under center for the San Francisco 49ers and help finish off the Seattle Seahawks in Week 2. For Denver, Russell Wilson passed for 219 yards and a touchdown last week. Wilson has won each of his past four starts versus San Francisco with 13 touchdowns and just one pick. His 36 career touchdown passes in 20 starts versus the Niners is also the most touchdown passes versus any opponent for the Broncos signal caller. All that said, this is not the Russell Wilson fans were used to in Seattle, and the Denver Broncos are very much a team in search of consistency, coming into a critical early season matchup at 1-1. One one. Brian Peacock from Locked on 49ers and Locked on Broncos, Cody Rourke, have this coverage. If you injected Jimmy G with truth serum, does he think that Kyle's in his way sometimes? Like, I almost get that vibe. It's funny you asked that. I was just about to bring that up. I, you know, I talked to my guy, Grant Cohn, and he brought up that question. Like, you know, does Kyle make Jimmy or does Kyle kind of hurt Jimmy Garoppolo? And I think for some people that are here like, oh, you know, it's ridiculous. But no, I think there is a scenario where Kyle is a little, I don't even want to say a little bit of a micromanager. He micromanages his quarterback, his offense. And he believes that if you do everything to a T of how I tell you to do, you will be successful. And that's probably true. But uh, how do you go about that as the quarterback where it's like, man, if I don't, get the ball out right now and hit this person exactly how he wants. And I feel like a lot of Kyle's plays are designed to get like that one guy, the rock, as opposed to, all right, we're going to spread it out. I know he has this, he has that, he has this. Okay. I'm gonna drop back. Okay. What's the best way to go? Okay. Let me just go and boom, let it rip. Maybe there's a scenario where Jimmy, without having to think so much is a better version of himself. Now I think, I think there'll still be those limitations, right? Like throwing outside the numbers won't be as much of a strength of his. It could be, Arm strength, which he has a good amount of zip over the middle. Maybe it's just he doesn't bring his feet with him. I'm not a quarterback guy, but I hear some of those things being said. Uh, Obviously, down the field, Kyle has been very reluctant to throw down the field with Jimmy Garoppolo. Or is it Jimmy maybe not taking those chances? I'm not sure. But I will say, you know, there's some of those limitations there. But I still think, like you said, there can be potentially a better version of Jimmy where Kyle's not holding him back as much and putting as much pressure on him to make like, Oh, you got to hit this guy every time. Yeah. And I don't think you can say anything definitively one way or the other, but there, you know, we've got evidence now. There's some like, is Kyle Shanahan that great of a a quarterback developer? You know, are we seeing quarterbacks get that much better under his watch? And and so those questions will loom until we see what Trey Lance ends up becoming. Um, And it does seem like some of those Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, those famous interceptions that Jimmy throws, it seems like it's like he's throwing the thing that's supposed to be there because that's the design of the play. And he's still throwing it, even though it's not there. And, you know, obviously that sounds like a bad thing to do as a, as a quarterback, (laughs) but it's also the design of the offense, you know, it's like this thing is designed to be there. So I'm expecting it to be there and I'm going to force it if it's not. And so, um, and Kyle said that in, in, uh, talking about Trey Lance in training camp where he was like, it's on the receiver to get there. So even if he's not there, he talked about, you know, some of the interceptions and whatnot that he can live with. If Trey Lance throws a certain interception, but he's telling his guy, Hey, throw it no matter what. So we can go back and talk about it. And the receiver understands where he has to be. 
And then maybe in the game, they just live with that same philosophy where it's yeah. like, hey, you got to be there. And Jimmy's just like, I'm just going to let it rip. I do think at some point you got to just be like, all right, whatever he called is not there. And that's the part of as a coach, as a coordinator, not having to be perfect on every call where some people will be like, oh, the play calling. I, I think I have the most trouble within anyone talking about play calling. Because it is just not always going to be perfect offensively because defenses are good too. Defensive coordinators, they get paid too. Defensive coordinators at times know what you want to do and what your trends are. So if they know that, they're going to have a good answer for it. So how do you combat that? Well, I need a quarterback that can see that and just be like, okay, that's not there. Can I create something off script? And you don't want to make a living of that, but there's going to be those scenarios where you need that. And I wonder if even then Kyle's not giving Jimmy the freedom when it's not there. I, I, I'd, have, I'd have a hard time thinking he doesn't get that to him, but, I mean, you never know because he did, Kyle does come off as someone that's like, the system makes a quarterback, quarterback doesn't make the system. Yeah, and it's definitely on Jimmy when you're throwing picks. It's on the quarterback, but there's a little bit of Kyle in there. It baked in, especially when in camp and we were there. We're seeing all the quarterbacks that are not Jimmy still making that same throw. Saw it in week one with Trey Lance throwing the Jimmy interception, right, to the guy underneath it. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen a lot on Sunday against the Denver Broncos. What do you think? Croc, Niners, Broncos, who you got this weekend? Oh, I like this game. And I think this is the third time in a row I'm picking the 49ers to win. <laughs> but uh, And I think with Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback, I'm even more confident moving forward. Like, okay, yeah, I'm probably going to pick the 49ers to win a lot of games this year. But it's never easy playing on the road. And we'll see what type of an environment it is. But when you look at the injury report for the Broncos, I'm going to put it on that. All right, I'm going to put it more so on the players that they have banged up, the players that they have potentially not playing. I'd assume that that'd just be a little bit too much for them to overcome, especially catching them early. Now, if they're dealing with these same injuries, but it's later in the year, and Russell Wilson just has more of a grasp of what he's doing, the, the receivers, everybody's on the same page, maybe it'd be harder to win this game in Denver. But I think early on, them still trying to figure out what their identity is, who they are. The expectations are high, but are they quite there yet? I'd say they're still working towards that. So in this scenario right now, which is uh, today, Thursday, when y'all listen to it, it's going to be Friday, September 23rd. I got the 49ers winning 27-17. And unless Russell Wilson turns back the clock to that that guy that you know has, has harassed the 49ers throughout his career, there is that possibility. Uh, but everything else paints not a good picture for the Broncos because the, the way it could go wrong for the 49ers on offense is DJ Jones is in there plugging the inside. Niners can't get the run game going. Justin Simmons coming down, making interceptions on Jimmy G. Randy Gregory coming off the edge. You know, uh, Patrick Sertan locking things down the outside. They might not have any of that out there and most of it they for sure won't have out there against the 49ers offense so i like the way the 49ers line up against being able to run the ball being able to to uh, attack the the middle of the field linebackers and safeties in this game on offense and uh, i like the way the 49ers defense is playing too and if it's just Cortland sutton uh, you just gotta worry about stopping the run and i think they'll be good there and there's a reason the broncos have only scored 16 points in the first two games so i think they're going to score 16 points again how many of the niners score they're scoring at least 20 so 2016 49ers coming home with a dub Bet online has the coverage for the lines ahead of this matchup. This is Bet Online All Access. It's the 49ers and Broncos in a huge matchup this Sunday. Here's Anthony Beck, Drew Butler, and Jonathan Casillas. 
It's Sunday Night Football. The San Francisco 49ers heading to Mile High to take on the Denver Broncos. Anthony, the Broncos are two-point home underdogs. Jimmy G is back. They can run the ball with any running back they put in the backfield. And quite frankly, Russell Wilson and his head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, don't look really coordinated at this point. I'm yeah. going to roll with the 49ers in this game. I agree with you. Look, I think Russell Wilson needs to get that thing figured out with, with the Hackett. But look, I think it's 49er time. They got Jimmy G. They might not like him, but I love him. All right. I like the Broncos getting to at home, primetime home dog, Nathaniel Hackett. Figure it out, please. Let Russ cook. I think the Broncos get a big win at home. Thanks, fellas. Well, be sure to get San Fran, Denver, and all of your NFL action at Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, whatever you need on Bet Online. It's also your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. What's up? Oh, I'm just compiling all the top sports scores, news, and odds so I can make the very best picks. Me too. BetOnline.net. Get into the action anytime, anywhere at BetOnline.net. Quarterback Cooper Rush is tasked with filling the shoes of Dak Prescott over the next few weeks and already has a win under his belt. Rush threw for 235 yards and a touchdown in week two. More impressive still, though, is that Cooper is just the fifth quarterback in the Super Bowl era to lead game-winning drives in the final two minutes of regulation or OT in each of his first two career starts. Balance will likely be the name of the game, and Ezekiel Elliott has nine touchdowns in 10 career games against Big Blue. Change of pace running back Tony Pollard had 98 scrimmage yards and his ninth career touchdown in Week 2 and continues to grow into a larger role within this offense. Quarterback Daniel Jones seeking to put the Giants into a shocking 3-0 position holds a record of 4-0 with four touchdowns and no picks in his past four games at home. In an effort to keep Dallas off balance, expect a heavy dose of Saquon Barkley, who shows his ability to grind out those tough yards, helping to bleed the clock late in week number two. Sterling Shepard, who led the team with six catches last week, and Richie James, who now has five catches in his first games this season, should continue to be the safety valves for the New York offense as well. Patricia Trania from Locked on Giants breaks down the NFC East battle with Marcus Mosher and Landon McCool from Locked on Cowboys. All right, Patricia, let's let's make our predictions. Big game in the <laughs> NFC East. Giants trying to go to 3-0. Cowboys trying to kind of just stay in the hunt. Who do you have winning this game and why? Oh, man. Um, you know, my heart says the Giants. But Dallas, man, they, and, and Monday night, like you said, Dallas and Monday night football, just not a good combination in that pass for the Giants. But that being said, the Giants are on a roll. I think they'll be ready. I think it will be a slugfest, as we talked about. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. I'm going to go... I'm going to say 24 to 19. Mm. So the only offense in the league that's really been worse than the Giants in terms of scoring points are the Dallas Cowboys. They, they scored two touchdowns last week, and it felt like a miracle. Uh, both of these offenses are bad. So I, the only way that these teams score consistently would be like off turnovers and short mm. fields. Like I, 
I have a hard time believing that either offense is going to have like multiple 75 yard touchdown drives. Like they're just not there yet and they don't have the quarterbacks. And frankly, they probably don't have the offensive lines either. So I'm thinking like a 20 to 17 type of game. I will pick the Giants though, because at some point, Cooper Rush has to turn into a pumpkin, right? Like this, this miracle thing of him winning every game he starts, just it can't happen forever. This is a tough spot against a defense where I think Wink Martindale is just going to blitz the crap out of him. And like, that's something that like young, inexperienced quarterbacks don't do particularly well with, especially the Cowboys who have a very young offensive line. Wouldn't be surprised if he has a couple turnovers. He should have had about five last week that the Bengals dropped. So I'm taking the Giants. Cover your gears, Cowboys fans. Giants 17 to 14 in a close game. Is that fair? This is now, this is now going on. This is recorded permanently now. Well, to be fair, I think I've picked the Giants every single time that we've done a crossover. So I think I, – I don't know if I've ever picked the Cowboys. Well, still, you know, I think you picked the Cowboys to win the NFC East. If I'm yeah, that's, that's different. Yeah, so, that's different. But anyway. Uh, all right. Let's let's uh, let's recap this kind of – this game, what we think. Big matchups in this one. Patricia, you're keeping an eye on Micah Parsons against that offensive line, right? Uh, for, for me, I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on to see – what the Cowboys do against the Giants defensive backs. You know, you mentioned the injuries. Dory Jackson is going to be there, but he doesn't really play. Um, you know, he's not going to follow C.D. Lamb. And then what does it mean for these two teams? I mean, you, you mentioned it. Like, are the Giants for real? Like, that's really the question. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but if the Giants win this game, I mean, now we can start having a conversation. Like, are they a playoff team? Yeah, I mean, look. At the start of the year, I don't think anybody gave the Giants a chance to win more than maybe four or five games. I had them as eight and nine. So they're about, what, a quarter of the way there? Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, still a lot of question marks for the Giants. And, hey, by the way, you know, we, we talked about injuries, but Leonard Williams will probably not play for the Giants. He's got that sprained MCL. But the Giants could be getting back one, if not both, of their young pass rushers, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari. So that's mm -hmm. going to make for an interesting dynamic if those guys come back. But yes, the Giants, you know, everybody else might not be giving them a chance to do much, to make playoffs and stuff like that. They're giving themselves a chance. They've been doing everything right. They've been competing. They've been practicing well. It's been transferring from the practice field to the, to the mm -hmm. playing field. And uh, so far, so good. Now, will the bottom drop out for the Giants at some point? It might, it might not. And if it does, how are they going to respond? Well, Monday night is going to be a really good test for them because historically they don't do well on Monday night. They don't do well on, under the lights, period. And the Cowboys, you know, as banged up as they are, for whatever problems they have, they're still a pretty darn good team. Who, by the way, is in the same, uh, they're in the same systems for multiple years, mm -hmm. whereas the Giants are still in the new systems that they're learning this year. Just as a football fan, I, I do hope Kayvon Thibodeau plays because I think him against Tyler Smith, the Cowboys' mm. first-round uh, left tackle, who actually started camp out as a guard, I think that'd be a fun matchup, right? Kind of get an idea of where Thibodeau's at. We know Tyler Smith has played pretty well for the first couple of weeks. I think that would be a lot of fun. Keep your eye on that matchup should Thibodeau play. Um, and then we think this is going to be a close game. Like, I... Trisha, I would be shocked if either team wins by double digits in this one. It just it doesn't feel like that kind of game at all, unless there's just a bunch of turnovers, right? Yeah. It, yeah. it feels low scoring. 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a defensive matchup. I mean, Wink Martindale versus Dan Quinn, if you think about yeah. it. I mean, yeah. Dan Quinn can do, is so creative in his own right. I don't think he gets enough credit around the league for the things he does with that defense. Wink Martindale, he's already gone on record. You know, we are going to bully. We are going to dictate to you what we want you to do. And so far, he's been, you know, walking the walk. It's going to be fun. If you like good old school defensive matchups, lots of running, lots of ball control, should be a, a fun game. It's probably going to be over by about 10, 15 Eastern time, which is great for us East Coasters. Like we're going to enjoy that, but uh, maybe not the most exciting Monday night football game ever. Bet Online has the coverage for the lines ahead of this matchup. This is Bet Online All Access. It's the Giants and Cowboys in Monday Night Football. Here's Drew Butler, Jonathan Casillas, and Anthony Becht. It's Monday Night Football, one of the best rivalries in the NFL. America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, heading to New York to take on the Giants. The Giants are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, two teams that I think have played well, but really conservative as far as what they want to do offensively and defensively really lean on that side of the football to keep them in games. I like the under in this game, guys. It's not going to be sexy, but it's going to be low scoring. Best team in the league is going to go to 3-0, and and I'm talking about the New York football Giants, okay, boys and girls? And look, I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think they're going to keep it physical, so I agree with Tony. I'm going with the under as well. I think the Giants try to put the game in Cooper Rush's hands. Giants win and cover. I'd lay the 2.5. Thanks, fellas. We'll be sure to get Giants, Cowboys, and all of your NFL action at Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, week three in the NFL provides clarity to early season narratives. Like, has Russell Wilson lost a step? Are the Giants in the playoff driver's seat? And are the Arizona Cardinals back on track or riding a slippery slope to irrelevance in the NFC West? Each and every week, we'll continue to answer those questions and more and bring all of the insight and analysis from across the Locked On Network. I'm Jordan Black, and this has been NFL Key Predictions.